well, actually when she was about 18 months of age, we loaded her up in the car, and uh, in, in the car seat, and took her out on her very first experience of going to look at Christmas lights. And so we went, uh, we went to the normal places where folks in town go. We went down to, to Westland Drive and, and, and went out to, I don't know if they great, but Andersonville Pike and out in halls. And <clears throat> we went to those places. And, but it didn't matter whether the decorations were big or the decorations were small. As we would go by the house, she, in her little 18-month-old voice, would point out the back finger, Twistmas Watch. And it may be one light, it may be three million, but she's, Twistmas Watch. And she was just as enamored by the small display as the large one. And that's probably true of most of us. We're, we're still enamored by, by Christmas lights. Leanne and I went out to, a couple of weeks ago, actually, to, to look at lights together. And that's cool. And that's, you know, we're still enamored by light. We're still enamored by people taking lights and sticking them on trees or on bushes or on their house and, and lighting up their house at night for people to see. Our, uh, that's, that's really a common thing probably among all of us. We have, at your home and my home, we have different kind of decorations on our tree. Some homemade, some of your kids have made in kindergarten or hanging up in the handprint from 1982 and, and all those homemade things among some probably store-bought things. And you may have a tree in the basement, you may have a tree in a bedroom, you may have a tree in a den or a tree in the living room, but <clears throat> the decorations are, are probably very different and diverse, but we all have lights on the tree. That really goes back to the very first Christmas. So from the first Christmas on forward, Christmas has always been about light. In fact, the, uh, the Magi, when they saw the star from the east looking west, saw the star in the sky, went back to the scripture, back to the book of Numbers. And probably one of the wiser ones of the wise men said, there's something about this. The, some of the Hebrew writers wrote about this somewhere. And they go back in Numbers and they find this passage in Numbers 24, verse 17, that says, a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. So they knew that this star was associated with a king, was associated with the promise of, of a savior. So they journey on. Their journey takes them to Bethlehem. In Matthew 2, 2, they're talking to King Herod. And tell him of their journey, of their purpose, of the direction of where things were going. And, and share with him, we've come to worship the king. We've seen his star in the east. And we've come to worship him. Come to lay ourselves down, but we brought gifts for him. Come to, to lay our gifts down and worship him. Before their visit, though, on the hillside, the, the angel makes this angelic announcement. And, and, and the, the scripture in Luke 2 says, The glory of the Lord lit up the whole place. The glory of the Lord shone all around them, it says. Lit up the whole hillside. So regardless of what your look at Christmas is, it's, it's entailing light. It's encompassing light. And if you, have a, if you have a tree with no lights, shame on you. Go buy some lights. Go to Walmart, buy a $1.99 string of lights, and throw them on your tree tonight. Because what should draw your heart to the Savior is the light. Why? Because he said in John 8, I'm the light of the world. And those that follow after me, he says, will have the light of life. So you and I who are followers of him are our little lights of life here tonight. Well, what does he have to say about those lights of light? He, he says that whether they are uh, one or whether they are many, they are lights of life because I'm the light of the, of the world. And so the source is, has everything and then some to do with, with what the light is about. And so whether the source is uh, is, goes back to, 
1802 and Edison's invention of the incandescent light bulb with a little filament inside of a piece of glass, or in the late 1800s with, the, with throwing gas between two electrically charged pieces in a, in, in, a, in a tube, whether it's a long tube or a small compact fluorescent tube, throwing light, lighting up gas inside a tube, or, or whether we step into the 21st century and with LED, and there's a little LED light in here. And the, the purpose of light is the same regardless of its source. It's to illuminate, to reveal, to make known so that people can see what they otherwise could not have seen before. And so he calls you and I the lights of life. He calls you and I as the ones who are here and belong to him to light the place around us. In fact, he, he says in Matthew chapter 5, he's talking, teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, in the fifth chapter of Matthew, and he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Calls himself in John 8, the light, I am the light of the world. People who follow me will have the light of life. And then he, he says in Matthew, you are the light of the world. Well, if that's true, then how is it that we light the world? We, we light it collectively. We've tried to light this room tonight with a little bit of, enough candle that we could see each other by, but yet still lacking enough to where there's a little bit of, we need more clarity. We need more, more light to see the things we can't see. And he's saying we need to be that to the world. We are called to be that to the world. And so these lights of life, if you get enough lights of life together, they become the light of the world. Now, how does that happen collectively? It happens as we gather together as believers to light not only this room and this place, but this community. And as this community looks to Spring Place Presbyterian Church, to, to be a light in this community. It looks to Cross Point Church to be a light in this community. We light this community. We reflect, should at least, the love of God in this community. But we also do that by lighting up our world, by taking light to a home with a family member that may not know Christ, by taking a light to work, to a work companion that may not know Christ, by taking the light to a grocery store or to a Little League ball field or to places where we see people socially that may not know Christ. By taking a light inside a voting booth and having our beliefs reflect the way we vote, reflect, reflect the relationships we have. That's how we light little worlds that we live in and collectively light our world. But he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't stop there with, you're the light of the world. He goes on to say, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house to set, let the same way let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Well, good deeds, I would submit to you, aren't natural. They're learned behavior. They're learned at some point from someone who has known Jesus. Now, is it possible for an unbeliever to do good deeds? Sure it is. It's possible for an unbeliever to be kind and, and loving and gracious and, and giving. But at some point... That has been learned behavior. At some point, that has been taught. It's been taught either by a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, a coach, a friend, a pastor, a, a leader. Because good behavior is something that has to be learned. Why do I know this? I know this because we all come into the world the same. We come into the world selfish. We come in as babies who want to be fed, who want to be clothed, and who want to be taken care of, and who want to be warmed, and who want to be... And if, if, none of that, if, if some of that falls apart, we let everybody, let everybody else around know that we're not happy about it. We come into this world self-consumed. We don't come into this world giving. A child has to be taught to share. It's their nature to hold on to what they have. They have to be taught to share. They have to be taught to give. They have to be taught to serve, to love, to grow. That's learned behavior. 
Francis Chan, um, a noted pastor, has said recently that the two greatest lies perpetuated on American culture are one, is that we are all basically good, and two, that a loving God cannot punish sin. Well, I believe those are lies perpetuated on America, that that a loving God can't punish sin. Well, the Scripture teaches, teaches us that he does, but yet he is full of mercy and full of grace. This same God who is full of mercy and full of grace will one day stand in judgment over us, those who know him, those who don't. But this idea of good works is, is just simply not in the Scripture. In fact, the Scripture says uh, in Psalm 14.1 that there is no one who is good, not even one. In, uh, in Matthew chapter 19, he speaks to the fact that there is only one good, and his name is Jesus. So, lest we think there is good in us, there is no good in us. Or if there is good in us, that good has been learned behavior. And I would submit to you that it's been learned from a Christian somewhere along the line. That even if, even if a lost person, even if a person who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, does good things, it's the result of someone down the line, maybe a, 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 a mother, a grandmother, a, a dad, a te- as I say, a teacher, a coach, and maybe a great, 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 somewhere along the line, a believer took a stance and said, this is good and this is right, and I want you to know this. Because all good comes from Scripture. It comes from God. There is no other source of it. And we fleshed it out, and we do a lot of good things in our culture and feel better about ourselves for, for being noble. But we aren't very good. And that's the sad news and sad truth that I have to share to you. Yet, he says, that you, because you're the light of the world and you have these little lights in you, and you're lighting up your world as you go, that they see your good works and bring glory to your Father in heaven. Well, the good works ought to be an example of a changed heart, in essence is what he's saying. But the glory to the Father, sooner or later, has to be verbalized by us. You see, we can do good things and we can do random acts of kindness. But if people don't know they're generated by a heart that's been changed by Jesus, what good is the random act of kindness? It makes someone's day better, but they're still lost and going to hell. That's the truth of the Scripture. And so these acts of kindness, these these ways we live as a result of a changed heart ought to reflect a Savior who's in us. So sooner or later, as the relationship builds enough to where it can be shared and it can be uh, the, the relationship is deep enough for you to share your faith with someone else, please learn to verbalize why this is why I am the way I am, why I love you, the, why I'm giving this present to you, why I give, why I serve, why I do this over there, do that over here. The motivation should be in us from a changed heart to reflect the love that God's put in our heart. Well, we're either here tonight in one of two situations. We're either here with no light in us, and, and everything I've said up to this point is, is you're looking at or listening to and thinking, yeah. That's a nice little thought, nice little Christmas thought. doesn't apply to me. It may be because you don't know Jesus as your Savior. And I pray tonight that if that's the case, and this has kind of just been, you know, kind of passed you by, you'll start to sense, is there a reason why there is no light in me? Is there a reason why my life's not reflecting to anybody else's life? Is there a reason why nobody can look to my life as an example of knowing him as my Savior? Maybe so. Maybe that reason is you've never begun a personal relationship with him. I want to invite you tonight, before you leave this place, to either find a believing friend or family member that you came with or find myself or Rick or, or Jerry or someone after, after worship is over with um, to say, hey, tell me more about this, this thing of knowing Jesus personally because many know about him, but fewer know him. And so if you're here without the light in you, there's no, there's no, there's no way to switch it on. <laughs> I mean, there's no way to, to, to take a flame and put it in a place where it's never been before. 
It has to be ignited by the Savior. And I encourage you tonight to, to pray to receive Christ if you're here without him as your Savior. You'll see, it, it, it'll begin to make sense to you, this thing of the light in you, that you are the light of the world. If you're here, though, and you're a believer, I, I hope that as you, you kind of embark over these next couple, two or three days, maybe, maybe if, you're, if you're still working tomorrow and Tuesday, and I, I hope that the, 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 the thought of your, your being a light in a dark place will help change the attitude in which you see your world and see your circumstances. And I hope, that as, I hope that as this realization comes to you that people who look into your life and look into your world, um, really, as I say, over these next few days or beyond Christmas, Christmas is, is just the, the focal point, the pinnacle of, of this reflection of light. But beyond that, as they see the light in you, I hope they look at you as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, as a person who claims to know him and will stand back almost in an 18-month-old daughter innocence and say, twist my wife. In her, it's in him. I see it in him and in her, and I hope that reflection of God in you and coming back out of you, so that they're seen, and so that He's seen among them, will be something that not only changes them but changes you, and changes this idea of um, why, how can I, how can I light up a dark place? And the reality is, is you can't. As He said, there's no good in us. It's only what He's done for us. It's only because we know Him. And we have a relationship with him that we can light up a dark place. But we are the light of the world. What does our light look like? Is it flickering? We had, we had trouble getting this candle to stay lit earlier. Is it, is it struggling? Is it, is it flickering? Is it, or is it, does it just burn freely? And does it burn boldly? And does it burn, does it engage people? Does it, does it, does it draw people to the light and to the warmth of it? But I pray that your Christmas light does that. And I, I pray that as people look into you, they see a reflection, not, of, not so much of your goodness and your love and your care for them, but of Jesus and the fact that he motivates you to be that to them. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful tonight that our light, the reflection of our light doesn't depend on us. It depends on the Holy Spirit in us. And so tonight as you teach us to be those reflectors, those, the image of Christ in this world, the, 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 as you went on to say in that, teaching on the mountainside, the sermon there, that we're not only light, we're salt. We are, we are to bring seasoning to an otherwise seasonless place. We're to bring light to an otherwise dark place. And this world thinks it walks around in light. It thinks it walks around in understanding. But if it doesn't know you, it doesn't. It's walking in darkness. So would you help us tonight to be revealers, to be enlighteners, to bring truth to light so that the love of Christ can be seen reflected from our speech, from our attitudes, from our thoughts, from our behavior, from the way we give, from the way we serve, from the way we love. Will we be those kinds of reflectors of you? Tonight, we are the light of the world. We're that way because you're that way. We have any light we have in us, we have because the light you've placed in us. And so would we, would we go home and we'd look at lights on the way home differently? Would we look at the candles that light this room differently? Would we look at the lights on our tree differently? Would we see the light of the world is in me? Am I illuminating the same way these lights are? Is there as much light coming out of me as there is coming out of these? So tonight, Father, we're grateful for the fact that you've called us and placed us in a dark place. It's difficult sometimes, but the dark place is the place that needs the light. Would you help us to see that and turn it on and let people see you? In Christ's name we pray. Amen.